In this episode, we discuss how to bring agility in industrial digitalization programs, a platform strategy for open innovation, and the importance of industrial data spaces for future business sustainability. My guest on this episode is Sandeep Sri Kumar. Sandeep is the co-founder and COO of Industry Apps, a company focused on the advanced industrial data space and an open app store for Industry 4.0. Sandeep has over 20 years of cross-industrial background, leading digital programs across the automotive, chemical, food, and heavy machinery industries. As the global head of digital operations in a German DAX company, he was responsible for digitalization in 140 factories worldwide. In his capacity, he spearheaded smart factory initiatives globally and received accolades from industry leaders and government institutions for his leadership in Industry 4.0 across various countries. As a working group member in the Industrial Digital Twin Association and Open Industry 4.0, he is actively working towards creating the future of industrial manufacturing. This episode is made possible by our friends at HiveMQ, who are providers of an enterprise MQTT platform. My name is Kuzai Mani Teresa, and welcome to the fourth generation podcast here on Industry 4.0.tv, which is a series of interviews designed to help you learn industrial IoT from some of the world's leading practitioners. So if you're new here, don't forget to subscribe and turn on the notifications so you don't miss any of the interviews. Now, here's my interview with Sandeep. So, um, Sandeep, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Um, I really appreciate you uh, coming on to the show today. Thank you very much, Kutsai. It's a pleasure. It's also mine. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll uh, jump uh, right into it. So, maybe to uh, uh, get started, uh, one of the things that you talk about a lot is um, uh, this, uh, this idea of agility in uh, Industry 4.0 digitalization programs. So maybe can you uh, start by explaining to us the importance of agility in implementing Industry 4.0 digitalization uh, programs? Yeah, again, Kutsai, I come from uh, doing industrial digitalization for almost 20 years. Yeah, And I have deployed multiple MES systems across my career, multiple maintenance systems, various digital tools. And one thing I realized that's changing very, very, and that one thing that I believe is extremely important in the success of a digital program is basically its agility. Yeah, How fast you are able to deliver something really matters. And I would say it is a secret weapon in today's industrial digitalization journey, right? We live in an, uh, really a world of open technology. We just recently, we talked about uh, generative AI, which something no one had heard about, I would say, a year back. And today it's the most sought out technology. And if you look at all of these things, the things are changing faster. The time when we talked about, let's have an MES project for the next two years and let's try to bring in improvement or let's have a machine learning project with a five-year data cloud. All of these doesn't really make any sense in today's world. It's all about speed. It's all about how fast can you convert business value. So from my point of view, agility is one key element companies need to consider while deploying any technology because uh, something that we consider as ultra modern today is going to be legacy in six months so 
this whole culture that companies had where they say there is a six months of study uh, people are negotiating 15 different vendors one year of program the whole value proposition of that one uh, it really is not there anymore so it's all about speed it's all about how agile i am able to make changes on what i am doing and how fast can i adapt to the changes this is what industrial digitalization for me is awesome so um basically i would i would imagine that uh, would require some um sort of platform for you to be able to kind of like keep up with this um rapid adoption of different types of technologies uh based on your experience uh what would you say are the key challenges that manufacturers uh, uh face when trying to implement like put together that platform that allows them to uh, uh rapidly deploy or implement uh, solutions for digitalization yeah today if i look at the industrial world could say right there are there are two types of approaches being looked at one is this classical large companies who first of all haven't even adopted that mindset that an an agile approach is needed so this is one section of companies who still are driven by the classical ways where industrial technology were always designed to be slow right you run and program with siemens you run a program with wonderware no one talks about 3 months 6 months turnaround you say okay one year two year three year so industrial world is used to these uh, very long a uh, very long termish type of programs running so one challenge is basically having that mindset change that today you have a different way of deploying technology right that i think is very important to come from the top organization because that the ceo of an organization possibly is with 25 30 years of operational expertise he has always seen technology being deployed with very long time so that mindset needs to change and that needs to usher in from these new generation of digital teams who need to say no there is a agile way of doing it the second part as you say is really about a platform strategy right and and in our context right as industry apps we talk about always two mode one we call as a point solution strategy which is what classically companies are following where a company needs a product you sort of start bringing in and deploying that product and that's a project in itself after let's say 6 months the person say oh by the way i want another product you bring in another product and this has gone on for the past i would say almost a decade and if you look at and proper when what you call a digital company today what you are actually seeing is actually a data swarm yeah a lot of different system collecting a lot of data things there is no unified that namespace that everything is disintegrated spreading around everywhere so that mindset change and really thinking about unifying the data bringing everything together this is going to be the biggest challenge for companies so because today it's all disintegrated all that people have is non interoperable data sources a lot of applications and i believe a lot of corporates have started to understand that because when we are talking today to companies one of the biggest uh, challenge with the operations director or or a plan manager or even a cdo cio type of person is saying is i have a lot of data silo i really don't know how to connect them so i would say this would be one of the key challenge that companies needs to focus on and to solve before they step into the next journey awesome so maybe uh, you you mentioned uh, a platform strategy so maybe let's kind of like delve into that um 
a bit more uh, with uh, regards to a concept uh, that you call a platform strategy for open innovation in the context of Industry 4.0. So maybe can you start by elaborating or defining what that really is and then explain why it's essential for manufacturing uh, organizations? Okay, so a platform strategy is something we actually have used to. For example, if you think about consumer space and technology adoption in consumer space, right? We adopted technology. Today, our tech, way of technology adoption is always via platform, right? You, we, we either go to Microsoft Store and pull in a solution that we need in our Windows mobile device. If you are using an Apple, you're going to App Store and pulling it in. You are an Android, you're going to an Android store. So at the end, all technology adoption is driven by platforms right there is hardly any scenario where you are sort of going in and purchasing and separate software and doing it it, it that, that context is actually not there and it's not scalable now what we actually envision as a platform strategy is where you have a unified experience of how you scout for a technology how you deploy a technology how you maintain support a technology and how you govern the entire security and data management of this technology. That means that whole experience of I, me as a company, let's say I want to find a uh, system for main predictive maintenance. Now, I, I cannot be just going and Googling it for it, right? I, I need to know, okay, which is a predictive maintenance solution which is proven for, let's say I'm from steel industry. Let me know this is a predictive maintenance. These are five choices of predictive maintenance solutions from multiple countries. And I should be able to select, subscribe. It works with my data in a plug and play mode. That is the concept of a platform strategy where I am consuming technology from a central platform. I am able, I'm getting a unified experience. I'm not talking about 15 different login pages. Uh, I'm not talking about 15 different user management. One single architecture one single entry point, one single user experience, and one single platform to manage everything that I need to move from a paper-based factory to a future smart factory, yeah, an autonomous factory. Awesome. I mean, uh, one of the uh, of the key requirements, uh, particularly for industrial software, is to um, to have a system that is reliable or a system that really checks all the boxes. So. Based on this idea of an open platform strategy, what do you envision as being the mechanism for doing all that due diligence? Because as a manufacturer, if I come across um, a, a predictive maintenance application uh, on, on, on a platform, I, I probably don't have the time to kind of like test it and make sure that it really performs well. So what do you envision as being that mechanism for 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 for? for really uh, verifying and, and making sure that it's really an industrial grade or it does what it needs to do. So th this is basically uh, very uh, typical into any industrial scouting process, right? So the only thing when we do it in a platform is the platform is not bypassing that step. Platform is executing that step, but on scale. So when you bring in a solution into an industrial company, we are basically going through uh, a lot of governance 
or uh, compliance type of uh, checklists and verification. So we are doing a security fit of an application. We are doing an architecture fit of an application. We are ensuring that the company is genuine. There is a KYC process to make sure that company is sort of existent. We look at customer review. Where is it deployed? We do an interview with the customer to make sure that the product is really working as it is explaining. We look at their history. So these are things that a company always executes as part of the vendor onboarding. Now, this is the same process a platform always has to do before they onboard a vendor. So in open platforms, meaning is not, it's just an open layer where anyone can put anything, right? An open platform, but that meaning is a company with a genuine product, with a, who have pro proved an, a, a niche problem, who have a clear use case and there is a solution to it, which is proven into the market, is brought in to the platform. So just for giving you an example on industry apps, when before we bring in a vendor into the platform, the minimum requirement is that the product is live in a minimum of six factories. Okay, that's the basic requirement. Okay, and when and the reason why we choose that six is because that is where a company sort of has five to six years of bit of experience in this market, and they have really gone through that that uh, maturing the product portfolio so that the product is something we can confidently offer rather than be saying maybe something is broken right so that's the level of uh, uh, rules and procedures we put in before we onboard and of course a penetration test security test how and where the data goes what is the how do they manage the data flow all of these are basically captured as part of the onboarding process so as a customer when i pick a vendor or pick a solution one thing is they, they can take this confidence in mind that there is a lot very very strict procedure that are followed centrally for bringing in a vendor the second part is it has gone through a set of rigorous checks in terms of industry experts to make sure that this is not missed out and and if i think of it right every company have this process okay but it is overwhelming for both sides yeah because if you ask a vendor they say every company comes in they ask for an excel file with 500 different questions and that is populating in one form to company a another form to company b and, and they are actually giving the same information in 15 different formats and they go through exactly the same conversation with 15 different vendors this is neither helping a vendor nor the company so the idea is that why don't we use that platform to sort of bind them right so you get all your information you want from the platform vendor is only giving it one time in a standardized structure and then if there is a gap, if there is specific question, they have always ability to jump into a conversation and understand detail. So we are making that entire process of technology scouting extremely simple. Yeah, because it's part of the service that the platform delivers that a set of rules which is needed by automotive industry, process industry, because we comes from those background are already embedded into the vendor onboarding flow. So that they are not doing it for a specific customer. They are on doing it as part of the vendor onboarding. They have an exhaustive checklist, which is collected based on our feedback from various customers. And it's based on best practices. And this is coming from some of the world's largest companies. So now a small and mid-scale company who do not have that depth of knowledge is able to get the same standard, which is followed by a large company. So it becomes a win-win for both parties. Awesome. Yeah, that makes, uh, makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, for some of the audience members uh, who still maybe want to kind of like get a clear picture of what it, that looks like, do you perhaps um, 
have examples or, or use cases where uh, an open platform uh, strategy has uh, enabled a company to kind of like really uh, reach global markets or where it has been uh, implemented yeah. already? Yeah, th there are several examples, could say, right? Because we are now four years, five years into the market. And uh, of course, this journey has gone through a lot of iterations, but there are a lot of examples. I can give you one, one classical example that we keep on quoting is there is a company in Europe, uh, actually from uh, Eastern Europe, who has an MOE solution. They came into the platform two or three years back and the product was sold in the market the way they were deploying it as point solutions before. So it's it's a known company anyway. So they were deploying it at forty dollars to $50,000 one time for a factory. And then they used to charge a monthly for their maintenance and support. This is the model they were selling it, okay? Now, when they came into the platform, they realized two things. One is the, the cost of setting up their OE was always that they have to go to a factory. They have to connect to their PLCs, collect the data because they are showing an OE application. They collect real-time data. And all of these were that 40, 50,000 euro that was coming in, right? Now, when they came into the platform, they realized that this entire task is gone. Yeah, they don't need to do any, they have nothing to do with connectivity because as part of the platform onboarding, the factories are onboarded onto the platform. So they are not having any direct connection or data stream to application. Data flows into the platform and from the platform, customer can decide what data I share to the application, right? So vendor is getting data over one standard API in the form of asset administration shell and is consuming that asset administration shell and delivering the value, right? Now, he has to build one interface, but once that interface is built, he's able to deliver the solution to companies or regions where he has zero presence. He, when he onboarded, he basically put the product at below $1,000 a month, right? That is the cost of an OE application, which you classically think people invest somewhere $15,000 to $500,000 for deploying OE application in the factory. So, that was a starting point. And today that application is running in seven different countries from China to uh, Australia to Germany to India and which, where he doesn't have any base. So now suddenly he has found customers all around the world. He has he actually has no sales, no pre-sales. All of them went through the platform. So customer approach and say they want an OE solution. They found the OE solution very attractive. They deployed it and he started getting his uh, monthly right now the scale he generated is much larger than all that he created over his past seven years in business so i would say this is a classical case of how a platform strategy completely changes the way how you capture market because a company is not really very keen to know whether i'm buying a product with a vendor who is based in japan or korea or china he wants a proven product yeah, this is like us consumer, right? When we take a product from uh, App Store, I do not think we really study about the vendor. We trust the platform, saying that the platform has done the right thing to make sure that this is a genuine company. So that same concept needs to come into industrial world if you really need to generate that scale. So we need to make sure that uh, people are able to adopt technology faster and in an extremely cost-efficient way. Because when I look at technology adoption, for me, there are two challenges. One is this problem with connectivity because my data is everywhere. The second problem is really cost because it's not really acceptable for a large majority of companies, right? If you talk about 10 million global manufacturing companies, a very fair estimate, 
Now, if you say the top Fortune 1000, the Fortune 10,000, they have the ability to say you are going to do a digitalization investing 5 million per factory. But what about the 9.8 million companies who are small and mid-scale, small sector? Technology is not going to add value if you are not able to bring the masses. It's like saying internet is only for top cream 10% of the human population. It would have never created the innovation. So for us, Technology and digital adoption needs to go on scale. So it's not about an OEM like Volkswagen having the best systems. It's about there are 10,000 suppliers under that umbrella. How would I bring them on board into the technology layer? Now, that's where a platform comes in because platform is giving them a very high level of uh, credible solutions, but at a price point which they, they are acceptable for a smaller company. So... And again, when we started, we thought it would be more interesting for small and mid-scale company. But we are now seeing even larger corporates coming to us and saying, we believe your model is what is most practical. Because even for a large company, they have 100, 200 factories. But when you look at their digital strategy, you always find that only 40 factories is part of their digital roadmap. Rest are, they call it the core factories, the type A factories, but they have another 80 factories, which is sort of, okay, they are small and they don't have enough budget to do it. Now, as a company, for me, digital value is when I'm able to connect all my factories, which means everyone should have an equal opportunity to come and have the benefit of technology. So that is where we believe platform is the only practical or logical way to go ahead yeah otherwise we will always remain disintegrated awesome yeah i mean it's really it's really interesting so maybe what i want to kind of like get a, a, a an idea of is uh, as far as scalability is concerned uh, from the perspective of the uh, the consumer the manufacturer who wants to scale um, a solution across like geo example 30 uh, different factories uh, where there, there might be different uh, environments in each and every factory. How does uh, a platform strategy ensure uh, that uh, an organization can meet the, the, the flexibility and scalability demands that comes with scaling uh, a digitalization uh, program across a wide range of factories? Yeah, so the great question, Kutsai, right? Because at the end, the biggest concern that companies have is I have my factories in China, I have my factory in US, in Korea, in Japan. Everything, although may make the same product, everything on a factory layer is different. I'm using a Japanese PLC, I'm using a German PLC, I'm using an Allen Bradley in US. So, and even different ERP systems, right? You will you'll be surprised to know the number of ERP systems which are prevalent in the, in the <laughs> industrial world is amazing, right? So many, right? So everything in the factory layer is disintegrated. They are heterogeneous. So, and this is again where when we talk about a platform, platform basically disconnect your data layer on your shop floor from systems. Yeah, it, it is, there is no hard wiring, right? That is the reason that when a platform is enabled, what happens is we are providing something called a connectivity layer, which we call as an edge operating system layer. And what it is, is basically is a set of drivers, connectors to pretty much any IT, OT environment that we can think about. So 
there are drivers for various uh, mode bus or, or any of the OPC UA or MQTT or any of those things, any connectors, right? And more than 300 different connectors are available on that layer. And the target of that is today, whatever is existent in the factory, you have PLCs, you have ERP systems, you have maybe databases, even some cases, even Excel files, which people are managing for operational data, right? You bring that data onto the operating system layer in any using any of these drivers, which you can work with our system integrators or with us directly or through partner network. And once the data is brought in, the data always get converted into a standardized data model called asset administration shell. Okay, so any information you are bringing in the underlying system, like you said, is completely different plan by plan. But once it reaches the platform on the other end, it's always con converted into an open standard with semantics library integrated into it, which means a temperature tag in China from a uh, Chinese PLC and a temperature tag in Japan with, from a Japanese PLC and from Alan Bradley in US will have the same shared semantic library when it reaches the platform. Okay, now this, you have to replicate this across the products, machineries. So the idea is that there is one data model that is representing a machine, a product, a material, component, spare part, every physical assets are converted under one template, which will represent that company globally. Now, yes, I have different systems, different tools, but they have one unified data model representing that company in the platform. And now you are basically using that data model. You are saying what solutions I want to consume. Do I want OE in Japan? I need an OLE in China. I need an uh, predictive maintenance in US. Behind the scene, it's wired by the same one. And the beauty about that is you are able to really uh, distribute innovation and standardization across because now you don't have to rely on another company. You can try a solution and you say, okay, this is a great product. It helps me in this factory. All that you need to do is to send an email to your plan manager in US and say, guys, this is working for me. Would you want to try it? Right. And he can go to the platform, subscribe the plat product and it runs. It gets instantiated on his private instance and he's able to use them. So you get in a platform. There are actually uh, three key components. One is the edge operating system I talked about, which is a connectivity layer. In the platform, of course, we do the data modeling, data contextualization and exploration of data that is all available as part of the uh, platform layer. And then you have a marketplace from where you are consuming solution. And these three components works in sync in order to deliver all of these capabilities. Now, a company can actually, let's say there are 50 factories globally. I can spin off 50 factories for that company in one day. Okay, that means all these 50 factories could get a private environment for them with under their plan code, with their user loaded, everything in a matter of a day. Okay, now it's up to them. Of course, the connectivity will take time. I'm not really bypassing that because it's it's all about what data you have, bringing it in. But the biggest changer could say is that it's a one-time task, right? You do it one time rather than in point solution, you are doing it every time you are bringing in a solution. I have a production scheduling application. I'm building interfaces with ERP, with SAP. Then I have an OE solution. I'm again building interface with my SAP and machine system. I have, and tomorrow I need a maintenance. I'm again building all of these disconnected interface is one of the biggest security concern today in industrial space, right? Because we have to finally talk about security. 
biggest challenge today for me is companies do not have a sales bill of material or a solution bill of material of what systems they use in the factory. Half of them have no clue, right? They also do not know how many interfaces are running to the ERP system because every vendor they have added have built an ERP interface or you have built an uh, engineering interface. So there is companies are really wide. And the biggest challenge with that is today when companies talking about and migration saying, oh, I want to change from SAP to HANA or I want to migrate from Oracle to uh, Microsoft. The biggest problem is not the cost of ERP migration. It's the cost of interface migration because there is zero knowledge on what happened in that layer. So a platform is actually helping a company in a lot of different dimensions. So they clean up your interface because you have one set of interface and one set of connectivity to your underlying system. You are not creating a spaghetti. You have one standard interface. You have governance built into the interface, which means you have something called attribute-based access control, which is sort of a new comp uh, component security mechanism where and I believe this is extremely important in an industrial frame because today what is happening is that let's say I'm creating a maintenance. I am basically providing an interface to directly to a machine database, right? I'm pulling everything from there. But this is very risky because I possibly want to use the maintenance application only for my key machine. So I want him to only have access to machine number seven, machine number two and machine number five. Today, there is nothing like that unless you again customize your interface, which people don't do. So Typically today, vendors are getting access. When they are building the interface, they are fetching out everything they have, irrespective of whether a customer wants to share that data or not. Within in the platform, the benefit is you are only sharing what you want to share to the vendor. So there is an in the data governance part of it. So you will say, okay, to this application A in my factory in China, I want to give only permission to machine number two and three. And in US, I'm giving it to all my machines. So this is a decision a plan is able to do. And this is a decision you are able to control. So it's not a hardwired behind the scene hidden interface. You are controlling what you are giving permission and you have ability to revoke anytime. Tomorrow you say, I my application for maintenance, I've used it for five years. My demands have raised. I want, I found an amazing new company I want to move to. All that you are doing, you are unsubscribing the old one, subscribing the new one, and your data is flowing into the new one. So that whole experience is unheard for industrial environment. So people are really not able to comprehend this. But the truth is, this is the only practical way we are going to drive the level of scale in industrial adoption. Otherwise, we will remain like now, right? After 10 years of Industry 4.0, if you look really how many companies have adopted technology, I would say very, very few. Yep. Absolutely. No, I mean, that's really uh, interesting. Now, maybe to uh, move on to another concept that I would like us to uh, uh, dwell on a bit is uh, that of uh, industrial data space. Um, uh, can you maybe start by briefly defining what that is, uh, how it relates to Industry 4.0, and then maybe explain what is uh, why it is crucial for like the future manufacturing uh, sustainability? Okay, so if you if you think about the digitalization journey, right, and I've gone through this myself, right, so it, it always started with the simple process of paperless factories, right, so this was sort of the concept back in 2010, 2012, we talked about paperless factories, we want systems to digitize our processes, so fundamentally what we were doing was anything people are doing in a piece of paper, we basically migrated it into an 
digital front. So people are able to run operations. They are able to see warehouse management, everything through a digital front. And the next step of it was, okay, you are generating a lot of data. You have basically done some IAOT. Now I want to, there is a huge amount of data that is generated. I want to now use them, right? This was the next trend of it. And that is where the data warehousing concept came in, right? So people brought in this whole idea of data warehouse. From the data warehouse, the cloud came in and then they said, okay, you really need to generate much higher scale than earlier, right? It's not just about reporting. It's about really creating relations. Then there came the concept of a data lake, okay? So today, even I would say the concept is a data lake and, and companies who have deployed data lakes after investing a couple of millions, even to the level of 10, 15 million is for some of the corporate companies. They have realized that all that they have done is they have basically brought all the data swamps together, okay? So all they did is they take all these raw data from every factory, from different systems in different protocols, different standards, and put it into one lake, okay? Now, a data lake is a very beautiful concept, but the problem is that you have absolutely no idea how deep it is from where I'm going to find what. It's full of surprises, right? So... And companies have slowly realized that, okay, this was a good way for people to sort of feel good at that I have data, but actually there was no value out of it. Terabytes of data sitting. Uh, and, and I give you a typical example. We moved a couple of terabytes of data to Data Lake in, in one of the program back in 2016, 17. And this was coming out of a historian. Okay, so historian data was migrated to them. And the idea was that once the data is there, we are able to do AI machine learning programs yeah. and all. Okay. But once the data reach and the data scientist starts looking at the data, they realize that there is no context of it. It was just a tag and a value. It is like ABC 17, XYZ 2. Now, there is zero idea of what it represents. Is it a temperature? Is it a pressure? Is it, what is it? Yeah. Second is, you don't know that came from over, right? Is it coming from a machine in factory one, factory two? So there was almost impossible to generate it because what has also happened is there was no way to know what that tag represents because this was data collected from five years of data and people had moved on. So the engineering guy who have programmed the PLC, they migrated the PLC. So there was zero way to really know what that tag represented, what that information represented. So the result was there was a lot of data, but zero insight could be coming out of it. So, and this realization is the one that is generating something called a data space, okay? Now, a data space is a concept where you have a very clearly defined data, which is basically you have ability to, there is no, it's not like a raw data, it's basically a contextually structured data. So rather than you simply putting a temperature tag, you're basically adding a temperature tag under a digital twin. Okay, so you have relations. So you know that, okay, this temperature tag represents a temperature because it's connected to a semantic library. So you know that, okay, this is, and it is not because whatever the guy entered has nothing to do with it, but when you are loading the data, you're connecting that with an element. So you know, okay, this represents a temperature. You also know, okay, this comes from this machine in this factory because it's part of the digital twin, right? Or you can call it the unified namespace component that entire knowledge is flowing into it. And then you know, okay, this data was produced on this day from this machine and while producing this product, now you are basically generating insight, okay? So, and 
a data space is basically an evolution of a data lake where it is not completely unstructured, uncontextualized data. Instead, it's structured in a specific schematic. So there is a syntactical interoperability ensured on the data. And there is an semantic interoperability ensured on the data so that you can actually tell a data space that provide me an information about machine A in plan B and all the topics about that machine from this time period to this time period. And data space is able to deliver you that data. Yeah. And this is what differentiates an big data program of today when compared to the past, right? And, and companies are realizing this change. And I would say for industrial companies, uh, there is zero value in doing a data lake program, okay? And if the strategy is all around dumping data, I would say it's a complete waste of time and money. So they need to do this uh, data space. And, and the data space, of course, requires uh, contextualization of data, modeling of the data. And these are things which they means which a platform supports, which industry apps as a platform supports. But of course, they, they if they do it internally also, these steps they cannot skip in order to create a data space. Okay. So um creating this, um, I'm trying to understand the 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 nature of the data space. Is it uh, to create that data structure, that semantic data structure, do you uh, uh, use a, a standard uh, industry standard uh, modeling technology or what, what, what's the underlying yeah. technology to create the structure yeah and this is another important point could say that you you can you can follow proprietary standard you can have your own standard but industrial data space is not about a data search or data contextualization inside the factory it's really about an ecosystem it's about connectivity it's about collaboration right so you need to follow an open industry standard. It cannot be like, it's my standard, I store the data. Yes, you can use it internally, but the idea is that tomorrow you want to share that information to your customer, or you want to collaborate with your research team who is sitting somewhere else. You need to have a model which is understandable by anyone, right? And finally, it's also about machine readable format, right? Because it, it is today digitalization or effort in an industrial space, is designed to be human driven, right? So you say, okay, I have a label, that label is showing me, there's a nameplate on a machine. It's showing what machine from where it came and stuff like that. Now you imagine I am a factory like a BASF where there could be millions of sensors components installed on that factory. And let's say someone is saying that you need to do an audit of this entire assets once in six months to make sure that it's all secure, compliant, life shelf life, blah, blah, blah. This is almost an impossible task. Yeah, it, it is an extremely painful task. Companies have army of people just to do this because it's legally or compliant wise needed. But the instant, imagine if that component has ability to communicate over a standard way. So there was a QR code on the machine that actually can be readable by a machine. That means I'm able to interpret that data. I know exactly what is happening and I'm able to generate insight, which means that process of performing a complete review of all the assets in my factory, getting information about which asset needs a repair, which asset needs a change. It's a minute job, yeah, because that knowledge graph will tell you that information. So the data model is has to be fully based on open industry 4.0 standard. 
that is the reason uh, we work with um, organization like Industrial Digital Twin Association, IDTA in Germany. I, I believe you heard of them. Uh, also organizations like E-Class, Open Industry 4.0 Alliance. And as part of the working group, we are trying to make sure that these standards are openly available. And second is these standards are really uh, accepted by everyone. So it's not just about European industry also only. It's really about uh, now there are Japan, uh, Japanese industries have accepted this as a standard. US is accepting this as a standard. China has already got this as, uh, as their foundation. So the idea is about one standardized data model for digital twin representation, which is not proprietary, which is not coming from a specific company or a technology stack because you cannot assume your customer is going to use Microsoft or Amazon or Google in, in a, from a cloud stack or they are using a specific ERP. So nothing can be considered from a proprietary standpoint. So that is the reason where I say AAS is extremely powerful in this because at the end it's an it's a unified data model. It's extremely dynamic. So you can really cover a broad range of industrial requirement into it. Uh, when it comes down to machine data, of course, OPC UA companion spec is a very good uh, approach also because it just sort of provides you that entire structure. So and you can basically use OPC UA companions also within AAS. So I think the idea is that there are open standards and it is extremely important that people follow these open standards because it's really not about uh, yourself or you as a company. It's really about an ecosystem. And this is where uh, programs like KTNIX in automotive industrial space, uh, this is all talking about open industrial ecosystem. So it's an environment where every automotive company, tier one, tier two manufacturers will be communicating over an, a shared uh, aligned uh, information space. So I think this is an it's a big concept. Uh, it is in any this early phase now, but as as we talked before, this change is it's basically taking a really exponential curve. So in the next five years, if you are not part of one of these ecosystem, your survival will almost be not there because as an OEM, if I if I have a vendor who is able to supply me everything digitally and operate in my standard or in a unified standard. I will work with him when compared to another guy who say, oh, please send me an, a Word document or an email for your order. This is not happening. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, as you have already um, alluded to, um, security is a, is, a, is a big concern in like in many uh, industrial digital, digitalization efforts. So um, how can um, organizations ensure the security and privacy of their data while leveraging the benefits of an industrial data space. Yeah, so industrial data space do not limit you into your data storage or it's, it's not like a public area where you put your data on. No, industrial data space is you, your storage where you keep your data is basically determined by the company. Okay, so he can say I'm, I'm comfortable with keeping data on uh, Microsoft Azure. Okay, so that's where you store your data. Uh, but industrial data space is basically an ability to sort of define uh, how do you take data out? How do you transfer data out? Uh, how do you um, modify, transform? But it, it, it is more on that layer. Uh, but at the same time, what you have to think, Kutsai, is also uh, cloud itself is not very easy for a lot of companies. Yeah, because there is a lot of uh, concerns and experience and expertise that comes with it, which 
which for large companies, no problem. They have their own technology division, their security division. But like I have to go back to that scenario where there are a large number of small and mid-scale company who do not have that cloud expertise in-house. Okay, and neither they have the ability to manage this huge security team in-house. So what we as industry apps done is we are basically providing an private data environment in Microsoft Azure Germany, which is abiding by all these standards, all these rules, all the enterprise security as part of the platform. So they have ability to go sort of subscribe and get an instance for them. And for larger firm, like I mentioned, this is completely up to them to say that, okay, uh, we are only using in, uh, the industry apps environment is basically doing the transformation, conversion and sharing and all that sort of thing. But the final destination, I would like to also keep it in my environment. This is completely up to them. So we provide that both sector, uh, depending on the size of your company, the maturity of your company, you have ability to decide where your final destination of your data will be. Uh, but at the same time, industry apps, uh, provides you ability to really use all the other capabilities that you are modeling your data, you're getting always updated data models, because like I said, the submodels for data in asset administration shell, it's keeping on working. It's, it's a work in progress, right? So we have a data model for quality. We have a data model for maintenance. We have a data model for carbon footprint. So this will keep evolving. So as a platform, what we are delivering is we are making sure that any customer who is a part of the platform will always get up-to-date data templates based on their industry for them to use. Yeah. So if you are part of food industry, you're getting models for that. If you're part of machine equipment manufacturer, you're getting them. So as a platform, what we are trying to do is to make that entire journey simple. So one architecture, one subscription, one platform, and you're basically making sure that my requirement of my connectivity is covered, a requirement for my modeling is covered, requirement for my contextualization is covered, all my application requirement for today and as well as future is covered because it's you are not blocking them from taking a vendor of today or a vendor of future. Yeah, because it's a it's an open platform. That means I, I will keep onboarding new and new vendors. So they will and or the customer can say, oh, I would like to work with this specific vendor. Or a customer can say, oh, I have an extremely good technology team. I want to build myself technology and offer it through the platform. So all of these possibilities are covered in that ecosystem. So that, that's what Industry Apps is offering here. Awesome. Yeah, so maybe uh, as a way to kind of like summarize uh, what we've been uh, talking about here. Uh, in, in your experience, what best practices should be adopted by manufacturing organizations to fully embrace uh, the potential of Industry 4.0? Yeah, so we, we started from here, right? So the point is, one is making sure that agility is part of your strategy. It is something you, there is, you cannot think about five-year programs, or six years programs, because uh, the market is, uh, you, you do not really know what is going to happen in six years. Yeah, so you really need an agile approach for driving technology usage inside your environment. Second is standardization is critical for companies in future. You will, because whether companies or industries will going to go to industrial uh, data space, it, it's an, this, an, this is absolutely a, a not a question because this is going to happen because 
uh, it is not possible by the way how costs are growing, by the way how much uh, sustainability requirement, government policies. It is an extremely tough environment for industrial and industrial companies. So they will go and try to go into a data space where the cost of operation will significantly cut down because you are going to automate a lot of activities, which in a non a term in a non uh, digitalized approach will be done manually. So. You would have to operate in an industrial data space irrespective of which industry you are being, whether it is because there are programs like Cofinity, which is talking about process industry or chemical uh, industrial data space. There are programs like Ketina, which is talking about automotive equipment manufacturers. So it's just a matter of time before everyone would need to operate over an ecosystem. So things to make sure that you are following standards, uh, you are adopting open industrial standards. Uh, so I would say... Uh, there is very limited knowledge in it. I always encourage companies that they really participate or try to understand what uh, in organizations like IDTA, Open Industry 4.0 Alliance, uh, Katina X, these type of things, I believe, is very important from an awareness point of view to where the industry is going. So these are forums where companies can go and participate and, and be part of it. So uh, following open standard and last, most important is uh, you have to stay away from the point solution strategy that we have been following for the past couple of decades. You need to have a holistic approach. You cannot deploy, keep adding different databases, different things, and creating this silo data. It is only going to make the life more harder. So uh, you, you need to think about a more, uh, more unified architecture. You need to think about how am I going to follow the industrial standards. And you need to go into also think about how I'm going to deploy technology in a really agile way where uh, I'm able to make changes, right? The point is that in industrial technology deployment today, mistakes are very heavy. Yeah, I, if I make a mistake, I choose a wrong one. It's extremely painful to change them later. The other problem which companies usually have is uh, you, you have purchased a product, the product and the relations are great in the starting but over a period of time, it sort of degrades. And then after five years, you are sort of complaining, but you have absolutely no way. You just have to live with it. Yeah, this is like a very, very complex scenario. Though. And this is not helping the vendor nor the customer, right? So the idea is that keep it extremely uh, flexible so that it's it's open for both ends. So you subscribing solution rather than the classical way of investing a large amount of money and buying it. So then you need to move away from that concept. So. A subscription helps in two ways. One is the vendor is always ready to offer more features because he's basically growing as he as he gets more and more customers. And for a customer, the point is your support is always going to be best, right? Right, because you are basically getting service, you are paying subscription monthly, so you are always going to ensure that you get best in class services. So this is how uh, technology adoption has to happen, and this is something I always keep advising companies that uh, try to go into an agile mode. Try to follow standardization. Uh, try to ensure that you there is no locking. Yeah, locking is a big big problem. So no matter how big how cool the technology is, if you lock in, uh, this is going to change in next two three years. Maybe there is something completely different happen, and you do not really want to end up in a situation where you have no escape. So avoid locking and and most important, uh, try to go into a platform strategy. Awesome. So um, finally, can you tell us more about Industry Apps, the company and um, the services that you offer? 
Yeah, again, I think I, I referred industry apps in multiple examples already, but fundamentally industry apps is uh, industrial data space as a service. Okay, so the idea is that uh, a lot of components that you need in order to achieve this vision of an agile uh, plug and play modular digitalization uh, is basically offered under one single platform. Uh, where we basically make sure that we provide you ability to connect to your IT and OT systems. So whatever you have today, whether you have an MES system, I have an engineering system, I have uh, multiple Siemens, Allen Bradley, Schneider Electric, whatever you have, we provide you ability to get connectivity as a service on the edge layer. On the cloud layer, you have an, a, a single unified environment for you to add all your factories, allow the factories to subscribe solutions based on their needs, bring data onto a one central structure. So all your factories starts communicating over one unified uh, data space. And, and finally, uh, all the security, all the uh, cybersecurity requirement that you need, your ability to stream data. So everything an industrial world needs, right? From an industrial company needs in order to reach uh, their final goal of uh, modular factory or smart factory is offered under that single platform, right? And and co it's completely flexible. So the idea is that you, you can start with uh, one application and like Lego, you can start adding more and more and every applications inside industry apps are interoperable by design. So you can say, I start with OE, uh, and then I, you can have productivity management and later you say, oh, by the way, I would like to have an production scheduling application. Now your production scheduling application can get data from your OE so that it can start planning based on machine's capacity. And later you can have a planning application, production scheduler or an, a demand planning application or an AI-based predictive maintenance. These applications have ability to share data. And finally, all of these applications are finally passing data back in the same standard. Yeah, so they are all finally an asset administration shell, which means you have really an interoperable data model, which will keep your data health very, very high. So that's what we are doing. We are helping companies, again, two structure in which we are offering services. One is uh, companies who wants to solve this problem of uh, data silo. We are offering the platform for them to unify their data and convert that data into a standardized data structure. That's one. The second part is companies who just wants to digitalize themselves. Yeah. So, and this is how small and mid-scale companies predominantly are working with us in that because they want to digitalize their factory and they do not have the appetite to invest millions on that. So they want to start a very simple, agile, very fast response type of scenario, yet not compromising in security or not compromising in vendors quality. Yeah. So this is, this is what industry apps is offering. Awesome. Yeah. So, Sandeep, it's been a great pleasure having you on the show. Really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to come out. Thank you very much, Good Sai. Appreciate it.